Good morning, church. Wherever you are, it's glad to see you. Today is the day that God has made for us. Let's worship Him. Let's praise Him. Come on. Hallelujah. We believe that in your name, Jesus, the fear has been gone. Hallelujah. Presence 
Whenever I say your name Jesus I sing the night into the morning I sing my soul into your praise I sing my soul into your presence Whenever I say your name Jesus let the devil know not today Whenever I say your name Jesus, let the devil know not today Whenever I say your name Jesus, let the devil know not today Hallelujah, let the devil not today Because Jesus is our protector Jesus is our shield Hallelujah Thank you Jesus, thank you come to say that you are the only one and we love you our God let your will be done in this place just like in heaven Lift me up and pull 
me close to you my song will sing forevermore when the storm is raging you hold my hand when the sea is empty you cast my hand when I give my heart to you you never let it go my lips I say these words I love you Lord when the storm is raging you hold my hand when the sea is empty you cast my hand when I give my heart to you you never let it go my lips are safe
we come to you today and we'd like to lean our lives upon you, our lives. You have told us to not trust upon our own understanding. And you have instructed us to lean upon you. And today, we do so. And so, Lord, as we enter your presence, we feel joy arising, arising in our midst, arising in the places wherever we are, arising in the rooms wherever we may be. And your joy truly is a strength. It is the source of our strength in our journey. And we are sure, we are steadfast of our hope in you. You are the gift that we have received. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your promises. We are in it, and we keep your promises. We hold them firmly in our lives. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for your blessing upon our lives today. We thank you for the blessing of your word and, and your truth for each and every one of us today. Especially we pray for those who are feeling weak. And Father God, release them right now. Put your joy, your heavenly joy, within them by the working of your Holy Spirit and your joy will never disappoint them Lord we trust you and we put all of our lives into your hand and bless us right now again we are ready to receive your word those who are out there if you're ready to receive the word of God let's say with me together now Amen 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 Hallelujah Hallelujah Praise the Lord. Shalom to you all. I speak blessings to all of you out there. You may be on the road driving. You may be in your rooms, in your living rooms, in your homes, in your houses, or even in your office right now. Let the blessing of the Lord be upon you and let the blessing of His Word bless you and be upon you right now. Today's message for us is God's perfect way for us. And we know in the Bible, in Psalms 18, verse 30, it says, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to Him for protection. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to Him for protection. This is good news for us. Though we may be facing circumstances that are very, very challenging, and we hear news of nations facing difficult trouble nowadays, our neighboring country, Singapore, if you follow the news, they've announced that they have entered the biggest recession in their history, the biggest recession. And if you also follow other global news, like what's going on in the United States, there is a a high number of unemployment going around. The President of the United States during his term in the first two years was pretty successful in bringing the economy up. But entering this year, the year 2020 with the COVID-19 pandemic and all, things are just not going right. 
economically. And what about us in our country? And what about you, wherever you are? Truly, we are facing a crisis. But did you know that these words, the words of the scripture that we read just now, was spoken and written by David during his time of crisis? Yes, David also faced a very, very tough period of crisis. At that time, David was being chased after uh, Israel, the Israel army, and he was treated uh, so badly. He was a refuge. He was a, a fugitive, sorry, at that time. And it was like he was a, a most wanted man in Israel. And even the king joined the team to hunt him down, although he did not do anything wrong. And this truly was a time of crisis for him. And during those moments of crisis, he felt how God strengthened him, you know. He had already been anointed to be the successor of the, the king, anointed to become the king, such a great promise that God had entrusted upon him. But here he was, he was walking this path, this journey, and things were not going right for him. But he saw and he understood how God's way for him is a perfect way. And he, he understood, David understood that though we are not perfect in our way, and then God has his own way that is perfect, we can receive God's way in our life. So in a sense, God's way, his perfect way, is an offer for you and I. And David knew that God's way was perfect, and within this perfect way of God also holds his promises. So the promise that David had in his life that he held on to is within God's way for him. So all he had to do was to trust in God. And all we have to do right now as we are walking, as we are in the midst of this crisis is trust in God. And therefore, if God is perfect and His way is perfect, then also God would include within His perfect way His protection for you and I. He won't let the disease strike us and destroy us. And He won't let the economy, the economical problems facing in our times that we're facing would also fall upon us and destroy us. And I tell you right now, the Lord your God will never allow that to happen upon your life. So God's way is perfect. But if we try to understand what God is trying to say to us, then we have to respond correctly. So in, in a sense, if you put it the other way, God is challenging us. So God is not just deliberately putting us in this situation and then to see whether we can survive or not. Because, you see, in God we are safe, right? And God has full control. God never experiences a crisis. He never faces crisis. Only we human beings, because we are in this body, in this flesh, we can experience and 
be impacted, be affected by crisis. But God doesn't have crisis. He does not experience crisis. So what He is challenging us to do in these days is, do we want to enter His way? Because in Him, there is no crisis. And in Him, the crisis, no matter how bad or how hard it is, cannot befall you, cannot strike you, and cannot destroy you, and cannot even touch you. Amen? So be assured, rest assured, that physically and economically, God's way is perfect, and He offers us this way so that we can walk in His perfect way. And I know we are not perfect, and our flesh does not give us the ability to walk the perfect way. But remember, God has put His Spirit within us. So number one, if our God's way is a perfect way, then I think, I believe that we should want and we should desire so much to be remaining within His perfect way all the time. Secondly, if His promises prove true, if, if we believe, if we really believe His promises are true. Now let me explain first. When it says here in this verse, the Lord's promises prove true. So this is talking about like a gold going through a refinement process. So you know that gold has certain degrees, different degrees of purity. There is uh, 24 karat and so on. So how, how do you purify gold? The only way to purify gold is to let it go through the fire so that the other elements, the other unwanted elements, the non-gold elements, will be burned away and eliminated. And after the burning process, all you have is the pure gold. So this is what the, the verse is saying. The Lord's promises prove true. Now I tell you, where is God's promises right now? Is it in heaven? Is it with God? Or do you have His promises in your hand right now. Now I want you to understand, you have received His promise. So His promises have been proved like gold. So think of it like this. The gold is in your hand right now, and it is pure gold. Keep holding on to it. Amen? Just keep holding on. And to do this, number one, we have to walk to the spirit, according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Romans 8, verse 4, part B. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, if we truly have God's promise in our life, okay, we put it in our life, let's say we put it in our pocket, we hold on to it tightly. We have the promise already. Now, sometimes there are incidences surrounding your life. And those incidences, for example, can trigger you, can cause you to become angry, to become disappointed. Okay, I want to tell you that anger, if you're angry, disappointment, if you're disappointed, these things are the product of the flesh. These things do not come from the Spirit of God. They don't originate from the Holy Spirit. So, for example, if you're angry because of certain thing happening in your, in your situation, yes, uh, you are, you're stimulated, you are triggered to get a little bit angry. But what do you do right that 
at that point, right then at that point? Do you choose to let your anger build up? If you do so, you are letting your flesh lead you. So you are continuing your walk in your flesh. But do you cut the working of the flesh right there and say, no, this is not what the Spirit wills, what the Spirit wants. So what the Spirit wants, we know. The product, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. So none of that anger, disappointment is coming from the Spirit. It's coming from the flesh. So this verse is saying, you, you make the decision. Of course, anything can happen in life and cause you, stir you, trigger you to become angry, disappointed. But do you want to keep it going? Keep the flesh, the desire, the prompting of the flesh to keep it going and let it build up. Because if you do so, you are walking out of God's perfect way. So that's about anger and disappointment. What about fear? Now sometimes we don't have to, you know, we don't have to let anything, we don't have to have something happening to us so that fear can come into our hearts. All you need to do sometimes is just sit at the table, sit on your chair, and start to think about certain things. And suddenly, the devil or something negative comes into your mind, and within a few seconds, you start to feel fear. Fear about what? Fear about tomorrow. The number one fear I believe these days that people are experiencing is the fear of tomorrow. If you're single, maybe you don't have such a burden. But if you have a family of two kids or four, then this is really relevant. There's a lot of things going on in the world and nobody can be sure what's going to happen tomorrow. But that is not coming from the Spirit. Amen? All of that is coming from the flesh. What do you do as soon as you realize? Do you let it build up in your life? If you do so, then fear will grip you. And when fear grips you, there will be no faith and there will be no love. You understand? Perfect love casts out all fear. And the product of the Spirit is love. Number one on the list, the produce of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, love joy, peace, patience, and so on. But number one on the list is love. So what you have to do is you have to cut it right there. You have to decide, no, this is not right. It's going on in your mind. It wants to enter your heart, but you have the choice. That is the meaning of walking according to the Spirit, not according to flesh. This is the way we can keep our lives walking within God's perfect way. If we are within His perfect way, we are saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Give praise to God. Jesus, beautiful Savior, God of majesty, risen King, Lamb of God, Lamb of God, holy and righteous. Blessed redeemed, bright morning star, all the heavens shout your praise, all creation bows 
song again from the beginning saying Jesus beautiful Savior next principle and it says number two act in the interest of others and not yourself let's take a look at this one story from Luke 13 verse 14 to 15 where Jesus heals a woman on the Sabbath but the ruler of the synagogue indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath said to the people there are six days in which work ought to be done Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? So when it says that Jesus' way is perfect, what David understood, what David saw, was that the way Jesus dealt the way Jesus deals with human beings it is a perfect way and perhaps David saw how people treated him well we just mentioned just now that Saul the King Saul 
whom David had been loyal at all circumstances, under every experience, under every opportunity where David was serving Paul, serving Saul, David was always loyal. David never made any error in serving the king. David was a loyal servant. But somehow Saul wanted to kill him, wanted to track him down and kill him. So David was a man who knew how people can be very mistreating upon one another. And it is also possible, it is also very possible that David was mistreated by his brothers and also even by his parents. And I remember the story, I remember when Samuel came to the house of Jesse and Jesse had children. And Samuel said, line up your children. I want to anoint one of them to become the future king. And you remember that David was not there. David was not included. So in a way, this was a kind of discrimination. How could it be that David was not included? And David knew that this is the way people can treat one another. But out of that all, out of all those experiences, David saw that the way the Lord God treated him is never like that. And in fact, the way the Lord God treats you is perfect. Remember that. God never planned for you any accidents, any evil deed. There is not one evil thought that he has in his mind for you. His way is perfect. And this is the way Jesus displayed that the Lord's way is perfect. You see, it was the Sabbath. And you remember that one of the commandments for the Jewish people and even for us today is that we must observe the Sabbath. Jesus knew this. But Jesus understood the commandment so well in such a different level, different dimension, that he knew how to fully implement and apply that commandment. So there was a lady there who had been, uh, who had been not uh, perfect in her body. She had been walking with a sickly body for 18 years, and, and it was caused by the devil. And as Jesus was there in the synagogue, it was the Sabbath, Jesus suddenly paid attention upon this lady and called her out and declared to her, you are healed from your sickness. And immediately that lady could stand up straight and how glad she was at that point. Now looking at that, in the middle of that scene, the ruler of the synagogue, he was displeased. He said, this is the Sabbath. This should not be happening. This is work. And as if to say that Jesus had broken the commandment. So Jesus explained to him, uh, let me put it in my own way. Jesus was saying, I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me. You, you're saying that I broke the law, that this is the Sabbath and I'm not allowed to heal this woman? How is it possible that you and all of you people on the Sabbath day, if you look at your donkey, if you look at your ox, and you see that they're thirsty, you would let go of their rope and untie them, and you would even lead your donkey to the water so that they can drink. Now, how is it possible that you are not allowed, that I'm not allowed to heal a human being, that you would serve your donkey 
and you would not serve one another. So Jesus understood, and we understand that Jesus' way is very selfless compared to the human way. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying that too many people are always acting in the interest of their own self. You see, when this man says, oh no, you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. You see, because this woman, he had no interest in her. There's no benefit that he can gain from her. But if it was his donkey, it's for his own benefit, for his own good. He would do such a thing as to help the donkey to lead it to water and to let the donkey quench its thirst from, uh, from the water. So you see, Jesus is teaching us a very, very awesome principle. Whenever you act out of love, you are not, you are not breaking any command. Because love, Jesus' love, when Jesus acts out love, that is the fulfillment of the command. Jesus did not break any law on that day. Because why? Because he was healing a woman at that time. So this is not to say that, oh, we are better than the person that Jesus rebuked in the story. It is good for all of us to check our hearts. Are we always prioritizing, acting in our own interest? In these last days, I believe these are the last days, but we're, we're not living in fear, we're living in joy. It is very important, it is very beneficial for us to check our hearts. Are we living, are doing things, acting in our own interest? And Jesus displayed that he was quite the contrary. You can see almost all the time, whenever Jesus did something, he was acting on the interest of other people. Where there is love, you see, there is freedom. You understand? Jesus exercised freedom. And where there is perfect love, what happens? All fear is cast out. Amen? Hallelujah. How wonderful, how beautiful, name above every name, exalted high. How wonderful, how And this is what David experienced in his life. You see, David was anointed, and then there is no fulfillment of the promise of God in his life yet. He began to defeat the enemy, and he began to serve Saul, King Saul. 
he played the harp for Saul and relieved Saul if Saul was in, in a burden or, or being stressful. And one day something went wrong with Saul and David's relationship, so Saul wanted to hunt him down. You know, there were two opportunities where David could have easily take Saul's life. Number one, Saul was in a cave. Saul went in a cave to, to like relieve himself. And apparently, somehow, David and his men were inside the cave in the inner part. And when Saul was not looking, David came near and he cut a portion of Saul's garment. Oh, how easily he could have killed Saul. And even his men persuaded him and told him, this is the time for you to take the opportunity so that you will become king because you are God's chosen one to become king. And no, David did not do that. The other time when David had the opportunity to, to kill Saul was one night, perhaps the army and Saul himself, the king, was tired and they were sleeping on the ground. And David saw this and he brought some of his men and they found Saul. Everybody else was asleep. And nearby Saul's head was Saul's javelin, his spear. All he could, all he, he could, all he, he could have done was taken the javelin, the spear, and take the life of Saul. And even his assistant at that time said, this is your time to take the life of Saul so that you would become king. But David knew this is not the way we treat one another. We do not live our life and take action in our own interest. This is a principle that God is trying to teach the church, you and I. When we live out this life, it should not be in our own interest. And if you want to know what that is called, that is called love. Amen? God wants us to walk in His perfect way, and within His perfect way, He wants us to exercise perfect love. I know you can't do it, but remember, the Holy Spirit is in you, and He will lead you in the righteous path. Let's look at the last one. Number three, serve God alone. Matthew 6, 24 says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So that's it. You know, don't, don't question and don't argue. God says, you cannot serve two masters because if you're loyal to one, you will not be loyal to the other. You will despise the other. You cannot have two masters. There can only be one master in your life. I want you to say this with me together. There can only be one master in my life. Say it. There can only be one master in my life. And what does God compare himself to? What is the other master that he allows through this illustration that he can be compared to as God, it's mammon. Now, you can look up what's the meaning of mammon, but let me just today give you a very simple explanation. You know the thing that makes us not want to depend on God? When God says, I am your provision, I am your source, I am your sun, the sun, the source, I am your shield, the source of your protection. You know, when God says all those things and we still don't want to let go and we still want to rely and depend on our own strength because we know that we can live without God. 
how can we attain? How can we get the things that we need for our basic, um, basic needs? Money. The monetary system allows us to have the power to attain goods, right? This is the, the world economy. So by money, a way is given for us to not rely on God. Now, going back to the question, what is the spirit behind this system? The answer is mammon. Mammon is a spirit. It is a spirit that's working behind the world economy. And we know that according to the Bible, the story goes that at the end time, the world will control the monetary system. And so when we're approaching this end time, what should we do? We should exercise, amen? We should exercise serving God and God alone. Amen? I know you and I need money. Everybody needs money. You cannot live without money. But God says, you cannot serve God and mammon both at the same time. If you are loyal to mammon, you will despise me. But if you are loyal to me, you will despise mammon. This is a very tough principle for us. Let's take a look at some verses. And these verses are written are, are about David. Psalm 62, verse 10. This is what David said. Pay attention. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Oh, David knew this because David also experienced richness. And uh, it was just such an abundance of wealth and riches and all the gold that you can imagine. But David instructed you and I. David gives you this, this philosophy. Hey, you know what? If riches increase in your life, do not let your heart be, have this tendency to lean upon your ability, which is your money. Don't set your heart upon them. I'm not saying this. This is King David himself. Amen? This is the word of God. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Because David knew the weakness of the human heart. 2 Samuel 7 verse 2. The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. Oh, David was always aware. Say with me, aware. And you and I also need to be aware. What's going on? Are we living in the comfort of our own homes? We have a very nice home, interior, very nice exterior. Everything is well designed. That's fine. But look at the house of God. Is this relevant? Is this going on in your life? See now, you dwell or I dwell in the house of cedar, but look at the house of God. It's in a tent. It's incomplete. I believe this is the word of God for us today. Let us always be aware because we have to set our eyes and our heart upon God. And when we set our heart upon God, we set our heart upon His house, His dwelling place. Amen? Give praise to God. And finally, the last verse. 1 Chronicles 22, verse 14. This is also about David. With great pains, with great struggle, I have provided for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, and bronze and iron beyond way, for there is so much of it, timber and stone too, I have provided to these you must add, if God entrusts you wealth upon this world, do not set your heart upon wealth.
In fact, rather, use your wealth to glorify God. Amen? Hallelujah. That is the proof that your, set, your eyes, your heart is set upon Jesus and Jesus alone. This is the perfect way. Let us close this meeting today. I'd like to invite the music team. We're going to prepare our hearts to partake of the Holy Communion. How wonderful, how beautiful, name above every name, exalted high. How wonderful, how beautiful, Jesus, your partake of the Holy Communion, but before we do that, help us through your Spirit. Test our hearts right now, Father God. Look into us and uncover everything, Father God, that is hidden even from our own eyes. Right now, you are opening up our understanding of your Word, and right now you are giving us each and every one of us understanding of what's going on in our hearts. And as we are aware of things and we are aware of your word, we ask of one thing. Let your word be fulfilled in our lives. Let your word be fulfilled in our life. Lead us in your way, in your righteous path. And we shall be secure, protected. Thank you, Father. Your holiness fall upon us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to invite all of you to take your bread. Let's lift it up in your right hand. For what I pass on to you, I receive from the Lord that He, on the night when He was betrayed, He broke bread and said, This is my body given for you. Do this as remembrance of me. People of God, friends, is not this bread upon which we give thanks. It is our union with the body of Christ. Amen. Let us eat it in Jesus' name.
Likewise, he took the cup and said, This is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. People of God, it's not this cup of thanksgiving upon which we give thanks. It's our union with the blood of Christ. Let us drink it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's open up our hands and give thanksgiving unto Him. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Oh, how precious you are, Lord. What a great and amazing gift that you have given to us. We receive your gift, your promises, Father God. And all your promises are tried and true, and they are good for us. We take them, and we put them in our lives. And we say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, Basanti. blessing upon your people. Put your blessing upon the viewers. Pour out your blessing upon us. Oh, Pour out your blessing, Father God. Enabling us to walk according to your spirit.
honor, praises, and glory be unto you in heaven, O Lord. And let your power be poured out upon this church. And especially now, we ask for your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, be poured out upon our nation. Father God, guide this nation so that this nation may enter its fullness in Christ. For there is such a great calling upon this nation, Indonesia. This nation is not a weak nation, but a powerful nation. This nation is not a loser, but a champion, a victorious nation, and a nation that is a more than conqueror in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, pour out your Spirit upon our leaders. May they have the wisdom and the courage to lead this nation. Lord, we pray for all ministry departments. May you give them a spirit, a new anointing, and give them, Father God, understanding so that they will know and understand and be aware that there are solutions. And let those solutions come from you alone so that they will bring this nation to rise up to another level, even to a higher level, even though we are in the midst of such difficult circumstances. Bless this nation wonderfully and powerfully, Father God. We give thanks to you. And Father God, we pray for the leaders of this church. We pray for Pastor Nico. We pray for Pastor Richard Bambangyona. And we pray for Pastor Daniel Eddie Prayetno. We pray that you would bless them, Father God, that you would continue to anoint them with powerful anointing, that you would continue to use them mightily and powerfully in this nation to convey hope and to understand the desires of God and to impart peace upon this nation, Father God. Let there be unity among the leaders of our church. And Lord, let there be protection over the lives of their family members. Lord, we bless them with the protection of your wonderful blood. The blood of Jesus Christ give perfect protection upon each and every one of them and even their ingoing and outgoing. Thank you, Father God. Father God, we pray for all the congregation of the English service particularly, and we pray for all those who are watching this streaming. Bless them abundantly, Father God, as they have opened their hearts to receive your word today. May you increase their understanding, their knowledge of you, and by that, may you allow them to draw near and become closer and closer and so close to your side, Lord Jesus. And when they are by your side, they will be safe forever. We thank you for your blessing upon them. Bless your blessing upon the children, blessing upon their businesses, blessing upon those who are in their studies. Give them your wonderful protection and give them your anointing. And Father God, we pray right now, we lift up our hands. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We say, Shalom, Jerusalem. Let there be peace and let there be prosperity upon the people who are residing, living in Jerusalem right now. And so, Lord, before we depart, we are ready again to receive your blessing. Lift up your hands right now and direct your hearts in full faith to our God and receive now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet and mighty fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours right now tomorrow until forever more those of you who will believe and receive let us sing together amen hallelujah amen amen shalom to you all god bless you stay safe and stay healthy